And we continue our series uh, together, this summer series called uh, The Best Summer. You can open your Bible to Luke chapter 9. I hope this has been the best summer you've ever had, but for some of you I know it hasn't been. But we're, we're, and, and also I hope you know that summer is the best season of the four. If you don't know that, refer to last week's deep spiritual teaching on that subject and get that message. You can download it. Uh, really, the, the idea is that when you are passionate and filled with the right stuff, every season is a good season. And so we're talking about living life to the full, and the secret of living your life to the full is being full of the right stuff, the right person. Not full of yourself, not full of it, whatever it is, but full of the right stuff. So last week we talked about having a passion for God's presence. Being passionate not just to know that God's presence is everywhere and God's presence indwells us as believers, but passionately pursuing a manifestation of his presence that God desires to show up in our lives today and every day. Today we're going to talk about having a passion for the cross as a central uh, thought in our lives. That doesn't come to us by our own imagination, but it was central in the teaching of Jesus. It's central in the um, church. In fact, the cross is the most recognizable symbol worldwide of people that follow Jesus. I would, I would say some of you are wearing a cross today, right? Some of you are wearing a cross uh, we got a couple. Of, we got a cross on the on the wall, and we have a double portion. Some churches are not putting them up in their churches anymore, but we 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 have them. We have we have like a hundred and sixty foot cross that goes in four directions. But the secret is, I want to talk to you. It's not just a symbol to be on the wall. It's got to live in the hall. It, it can't just be on our steeple. It's got to be in our soul. And it's not just a piece of jewelry, it's got to be something that transforms our lives and something we have a passion for. Paul the Apostle was passionate about the cross. He said, I'm not going to be passionate, I'm not going to be boasting about anything, no other person, no other thing, except one central thought, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've opened up your Bible to Luke chapter 9, it's an um, incredible chapter, the disciples have one of the biggest aha moments of their lives. Uh, I hope you've had some aha moments. You know what an aha moment is? When you go, aha, it's a, a moment of insight, a moment of revelation. I hope you have some in church. You know, in the cartoon when that light bulb goes off, aha. And in Luke chapter 9, Jesus leads the disciples and said, I just want to ask, what's the word on the street? Who do people say that I am? And just like today, there were a lot of different answers. Oh, you're a great teacher, and, and you're a prophet, and you're a healer. And then he asked the most important question, who do you say that I am? And they'd kind of talked about it in the corners, and some of them had thought about it privately, but Peter says it out loud. Peter says, you are the Christ. 
You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God, the one who has been prophesied throughout all the Hebrew scriptures, the one who has come to take away the sins of the world. You are Christ. And Jesus said, you're right. And the guys went, aha! Like they had thought about it, like are we following the Messiah? Are we following? I hope he is. I hope he is, but he doesn't talk a lot. I hope he's the Messiah. And then when he said, Yes, he's the Christ. They were high-fiving each other. He's the Christ. And they were like chest-pumping each other. They were so excited because they thought he is going to kick the Romans out. He's got the juice, the political juice. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's not about political power. It's about the power of the kingdom of God which is greater than politics. Mm, I wish you'd get that. Politics is not the salvation of America. It's not one party or the other party. It's the kingdom of God. And Jesus clearly says that. As soon as they they have this aha moment, Jesus says, well, let me tell you how it really is. It's not exactly what you think. It's not about me taking political power. It's actually about me dying on the cross. As soon as they have that aha moment, he says, now, don't tell anybody. They want to tell people. They want to go, he is the Messiah. No, don't tell anybody. I don't want you to mention it. It's not time because it will create a political swell. I don't want, that's not what I want. Don't tell anyone. But here's what's going to happen. I'm not taking over politically. I'm actually going to suffer many things. And I'm not going to be accepted. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and then I'm going to be killed. But I'm not going to stay dead. I am going to rise from the dead on the third day. That was not their agenda. He said, my agenda is the cross. And then he says, I want you to be included in this message and centrality of the cross. Because he turns to them after saying what what he was going to do. He said, now the cross has a part in your life. He said to, notice this, he said to them, okay, so, so this message, this message that he's about to give is for us, is for all of us. Okay, I want to give you a central teaching for my people. I want to give you a central teaching and a central truth for the kingdom of God. Whoever wants to be part of this kingdom, whoever is going to be a disciple, whoever is going to follow me, you've got to do these things. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. And you've got to follow me. And notice this. Notice this. This is something that should be refreshed Got it? Okay, okay, I just, let's just think about this legitimately. And I was challenged studying, getting ready. I was challenged in my own life. Am I thinking about the cross daily? The things you do daily shape you. You don't believe me? It's the truth. Just look at what you eat. 
the things you do daily are shaping you. Jesus knows that. So he has some central things. He says, okay, I want you to, to um, at least come to this truth, a truth of being shaped by the centrality of the cross, a passion for the cross each day. And if you have a passion for the cross each day, it will be an incredible, transforming day. And so we're talking about the cross, not as a symbol, not as a piece of jewelry. We're talking about the cross as a way of life, the way of the cross, the way that Christ calls us to. And we're going to talk just about releasing the power of that life that flows from the centrality of the cross. The cross is to be central in our personal lives. The cross is to be central in the church. It's not something we tag on or just stick on the wall. It's one of the reasons we celebrate communion regularly, and we're going to do that today. You're welcome to receive communion. Why? Why do we do that? Because it tells us and asks us to remember Jesus who died on the cross, who gave his life on the cross, his broken body, his shed blood, to bring us to the cross because it is central, absolutely central. So let me talk about this. Let me talk about denying yourself. Well, there's a lot of excitement about this topic, I can tell. <laughs> I'll try over here. <laughs> Let me talk to you about denying yourself. Oh, yeah, see, they're excited. These people, these people are excited about this. This releases the power of surrender. Jesus is okay. I want you to call you daily, daily, to deny yourself. Why? Because you have, I have, every day, Thoughts, ideas, emotions, actions that want to sit at the very center of our soul. And not all of those thoughts, not all of those ideas, not all of those actions are from God or really for God's glory. There's some things that you just want to do yourself. You just want to do them. And there is a battle for who sits on the throne of your life. Who's sitting, who's sitting at the center of your emotions? Who's sitting at the center of your thoughts? Because yourself would like to sit there. Yourself says, I should be there. Jesus is teaching a whole other way of life. He says, no, no, I have come to be the king of your life, the Lord of your life, the CEO of your life, the director of your life, and I deserve to be in the seat that gives control. Because if you are sitting, if yourself is sitting there, you're thinking some thoughts that aren't beneficial for you. You think they are, but they're not. You're having some emotions that are not beneficial for you. In fact, I was asked this morning, Pastor, I am having panic attacks. Pray for me. I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray together. But I also want you to listen to the teaching today that when you are having a panic attack, who is sitting at the control panel of your life? Just think about that. Self. And self is going, I can't control everything. There's too many buttons. There's too much stuff. I can't do it. And so I'm going to panic. Oh, when you sin... Or when the person beside you sins. <laughs> who, who is, in that moment, who is sitting at the control? Not Jesus. So Jesus says here, the way of the cross 
is to deny, literally say, deny access to the throne of your heart, mind, soul, to anything else except his presence. To just say, nothing else deserves to be my Lord. Paul talked about this transformational moment in Romans chapter 12, and he says, here's the secret. You need to become living sacrifices. You've got to lay down yourself and your self-desires so that you can really worship God. The next verse, if you read it, said, that will cause you to renew your mind. That will cause you to be transformed into the very image of Christ. And there's all kinds of things that are trying to get a hold of your life, and they will sneak up on you. Um, Pat, is, is Joe, Joe here? Joe, I met Joe yesterday with you guys. Is he here today with you? Did he come? Pastor Norris, I'm talking maybe, possibly, no, yes. Joe, that's you. Yes, he is. I don't know what that, what that means. Yes, Joe is here. Hello, Joe, are you here? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to take money from you. I'm not going to do it. Joe, Joe, are you here? No. Okay. Somebody was going like this. I thought, well, that's where he should be. I met Joe yesterday. He was with this group. I said, Joe, um, when did you become a believer? It was actually Pastor Norris and his ministry that he became a believer. He was invited by his twin brother to come to church. He came to church with his twin brother. He heard about Jesus Christ. He heard about the good news that Christ would allow him to live the life of God, connect with his creator, gain heaven, and he became a believer. And he's lived for Christ all these years. But he said, my twin brother, one day, while he was faithfully coming to church, someone said, someone said, hey, I know it's the weekend. Could you come and play golf with us? Golf is not an evil game. I'm with you, brother. I am. When I golf, there's a lot of spiritual warfare. I, I, I hit the ball, demons like, <laughs> watch this, watch this, because you can, have, you can have something good that wants the throne. And he start, and it's not one weekend, two weekends, four weekends, every weekend, no time, squeezed out. So what he really needed to do was when that spirit of golf came, or whatever yours is, deny it. Say, no way. No way. Joe actually was a, um, a deputy with the sheriff. And when he did the testing, he was a marksman. And he wanted, the, the, the sheriff came and said, listen, you, are, you need to join our team. We go out, we compete, we get trophies, and we make money. He said, I love that. Well, we go on the weekends. He said, and I wanted to do it. Maybe not an evil thing, but you've got to be, you have got to guard the throne of your life and keep it reserved for the one who paid for the seat. Hmm. Which means denying whatever self thing tries to get in there. Just cross it out. I cross you out, spirit of golf. Spirit of marksmanship. Whatever. And it can sneak up on you. It's not, it's not a bad thing. Running every weekend and all of a sudden I can't make it. So just be careful and ask yourself, is there anything I need to sacrifice today to get back to the place I need to be to keep the cross the very central thing of my life? Is it there? 
Then he says, once we've done that, we need to take up our cross, and that means a lot of things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow in on a very narrow piece of this. This is a whole teaching. It could be a whole series in itself. But let me just show you this. When we take up our cross, we release the power of love. The Bible talks a lot about love. Jesus talked a lot about love. Jesus summed up the whole message of the Scripture with the concept of love. When he was asked, how do you sum it all up? He said, well, it's about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's about loving the people, your neighbor around you as you love yourself. We say it around here. It's about loving God, loving people, and loving the life that God has given to you. We studied on Wednesday, if you were here for our expositional teaching, we studied the 13th chapter of Corinthians. Does anyone know what that chapter is about? It's about love. We studied the concept of agape, which is a New Testament concept that says to love unconditionally, to love without limits. And here's the real thing that the cross teaches us, that real love is sacrificial. It's not easy peasy. It's not a feeling you get when the warm wind is blowing the stars around. You know that song. I'm not. Here's what the Bible says. Here's how the Bible defines love. This is love. Okay, a lot of talk about love. Let me, let's, let's lay it down. Let's lay a definition. This is love. Love that comes from God, not from us. The love that comes from God, and he shows her what love is, when he sent his son, when Jesus Christ came, to be sacrificed for our sins. Where did that take place? That took place on the, on the cross. The cross was a place of sacrifice. And here's what real love is. Real love is a sacrifice. Real love is when you don't feel the emotion, but you make the action. That was a mouthful right there. Someone to get that. Someone cop. Someone, that was good stuff right there. Real love is, is loving people that don't deserve it. Like if you just love people that deserve it, that's not real love. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was loving people that were putting him to death. They didn't deserve love, but he's saying, I take up my cross as an action of love so that you would know that God loves you no matter what. And he asks us to do the same thing, to agape, to unconditionally and purposely love people. The purpose of agape, the purpose of God's love is to bring people who are living today far away from God into the family of God and to see them grow in grace, to grow in God. The reason for agape love is to find prodigals who have been in the pig pen and love them back into the family of God. It's to go looking for people who have returned to their old life, hunt them down, and love them even when they don't feel like they deserve it. Isn't that what Jesus did? When he rose from the dead in Jerusalem, he went way out of his way, all the way up to Galilee, about 80 miles, to find Peter, who had given up on his faith. Peter had packed it in. Peter had gone back to his old life. Jesus had called him away from fishing. He had gone back to fishing. And Jesus finds him on the Galilee, and he calls out to Peter and says, Hey, catch anything? No, it's been a really tough night. Hey, why don't you put your nets on the other side? Peter said, That sounds vaguely familiar. What is Jesus doing? He's recreating his call. 
He's saying, you may feel like you're running from God, but I'm coming running after you. And they put their net on the other side, and the nets get filled with fish, and Peter goes, that's very familiar. And he recognizes Jesus has come looking for him, and he jumps out of the boat because he's forgotten how to walk on water. And he swims to shore ahead of the boat. He abandons the fish because he realizes God hasn't called him for dead, cold fish. God has called him for red-hot humanity. And he restores him. That's agape love. That's, that, that, that's Jesus taking up his cross. Get this. Taking up his cross after the resurrection because that's where we're living and every day we need to be looking, okay, who needs God's love? They haven't earned it. They don't deserve it, but I'm going to do it because I'm taking up my cross. They said some bad things to me, but I'm not going to say some bad things back. They have caused rumors and behind my back, but I'm going to love them in spite of themselves. I'm going to take up my cross, not just as a piece of jewelry, but as a lifestyle. Well, let's just put our hands together and affirm that. Let's just let's affirm that in this house that we would take up our cross and love unconditionally and love purposely. Let's just go agape people. So when we put on our cross, when we see it, say, oh, yes, I'm supposed to agape people. When we take communion in a few moments, oh, yes, I'm supposed to agape people. So deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Christ, which I'm going to talk about the power and releasing the power of life every day, which is so interesting because the cross, especially in Jesus' day, was an instrument of death. And it's known differently to us now because we see the cross through the lens of history and we see the cross through the lens of Scripture and we have a different feeling when we hear the word cross. In Jesus' day, when they heard the word cross, it was an ugly place of execution. That's how the Romans put their enemies to death and displayed the death for all to see. It would be like me saying, okay, if you want to follow, follow Jesus, um, deny yourself and strap yourself into the electric chair. Ugly. Horrible. But Jesus takes this symbol of death and transforms it by the power of his grace and his love, and he transforms the cross into a symbol of life. That's what he does. So that when we see the cross, we remember his death, but we we remember this, that the death of Christ on the cross is inextricably, inextricably, come on, say it with me, inextricably, tied to the resurrection. So, so there are crosses, and, and I think it's fine. I have one in my office that affix Christ to the cross, a crucifix, where we think about the suffering of Christ. But the cross I wear is a testimony so that when I put it on, I'm remembering, oh, the cross is empty because the tomb is empty, and I want to remember both things at the same time. I want to remember his death and his resurrection. They are two sides of one coin, and you can't separate one from another. When Jesus says, follow me, the only reason we can follow him is because he rose from the dead. He's alive and walking today, living today, and we can follow him because he's alive. He actually happens to be in the house today. He's here. We'll follow him. 
So when we see the cross, we remember that Jesus said it in Luke chapter 9, I'm going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to resurrect. They didn't really get it. They didn't get it. Because when he died, they had no hope. They lost all hope. They didn't really get it. In fact, days before Jesus goes to the cross, he's standing at a tomb of his friend Lazarus, and he's teaching this message, and he says, hey, don't you know I am the resurrection, and I am the life? When you believe in me, when you follow me, you're going to have life. It's going to be a new life. It's going to be an amazing life. It's going to be a God life. And it's so, You're going to have so much life that even when you die, you're going to live. It's pretty good. Pretty good deal. And then he says in this question, do you believe it? And I want to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That when I take communion with you, I take the bread, the broken body of Christ. I take the cup, the spilt blood of Christ, and I remember he died, but I remember that he's going to have communion with me in the future because he rose from the dead. And as I receive the communion, my heart leaps out and says, even so, come, Lord Jesus. It means I can follow him today, and he gives me a new kind of life. Not the way Scott... <laughs> I have upgraded. I'd like you to upgrade to this new kind of life, to be in Christ and become a new creation. And quit holding on to your old seat. When, when Mama, when, when, when sweet Darla Joy and I go flying, we fly coach because we're cheap. But we know what it is. We got upgraded once. It's a whole other world. <laughs> Sir, you can come up. <laughs> Seats are bigger. They're like giving you stuff before you even take off, like with like real silverware, a real glass. TVs are bigger. It's worth it. Some of you go, but I like my old seat. It's small and it's comfortable. And it's by the bathroom. And I love it back here. I'm afraid, I'm afraid to surrender, to deny myself. I'm going to hold on to what I used to have, and you're missing out on what he's calling you to. I'm here to tell you, he is calling you to something so much better that in a moment when we ask you to surrender your life to Christ, you are upgrading to a whole new kind of life, a life that is filled with the presence and the power and the blessing and the direction of God. He calls us, follow me. We follow him when we upgrade, we let go of our old seat. We follow him. And he gives us that new life. So just imagine your life this week, surrendering. I'm going to ask everyone to pray a prayer of surrender in a moment. Some of you maybe for the first time. And I'm here just to, I'm just here as a witness that the upgrade is worth it. And there are people around you that know that the upgrade is with it. It's a, it's, a, it's a strange journey for you to leave the back of the bus 
And yet it's a new territory maybe. But we've been to first class and it's better. So we deny what we used to have. There's no, nobody else. We're going to take that journey and understand the power of surrender. We're going to take up our cross this week, and we're going to love people like we have never loved them before. We're going to love the most difficult people. We're going to love that neighbor. We're going to love that coworker. We're going to love that person that's been taught. We're going to love that person who doesn't even know they need to be loved. And we're going to follow Christ and live that new kind of life. We have to be very careful to not let happen in our soul or even in our church fellowship what has happened across the nation. When we were founding our nation, when we were building our communities, we would, we would have main intersection streets. Like almost every city has a first and main, like, like their intersection. And at first and main, when they would build a community, at first and main, there was usually a house of worship, a church. And at the top of the church, there would be a steeple to raise the highest architectural piece in the community would be the cross that was affixed to the steeple. That was generally across the nation. And it's true, you can still go to the big cities of the world. I just was in New York City not too long ago. There still are cathedrals, there still are steeples, and there still are crosses. But overshadowing the crosses are huge, gigantic buildings of commerce and finance because that's now the tallest building in the city. And it overshadows. And that's a metaphor for what's happened to our nation. God forbid that it would be a metaphor for your life, that something else would overshadow what should be the tallest and more central theme and passion of your soul. Do not let anything overshadow the message of God's love on the cross, that he came to absorb on the cross all your sin, all your shame to take it all away. And you can't earn God's love and you can't deserve God's love, but you can receive God's love. Don't let anything get your faith to be about anything else. It's about the cross of Christ. And Paul says, I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to be passionate about anything else except the cross of Christ. Keep it central in your individual life. And we're determined to keep it central in the life of this fellowship. It's about the cross of Jesus Christ. Be passionate about his cross. And all of God's people say... Amen. Amen. Grace and peace. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace. Let me invite you to close your, your eyes and to stand with me, please, across the room. Open your hearts. Close your eyes. Standing. Our, our, our t altar team, our ministry team is going to come and just stand at the altar with me and prepare to minister to you. Some of you need to renew your passion for the cross. It's been a lot of days since you thought about denying yourself. It's been a lot of days since you took up your cross and loved people even when they were difficult. It's been a lot of days. And Jesus says this needs to be a daily part of your spiritual journey. I want to invite every single person here to surrender to the presence and the power of Jesus Christ who is in the room right now. We do that through prayer, and we do it by conscious decision of turning away from the life we used at surrendering the seat for Christ. And we're going to pray a prayer because the Bible says, believe these things in your heart, and we do, but confess them with your mouth. Let the prayer be heard. 
So I'm going to ask you to pray with all of the people around you a prayer of commitment to Christ, a prayer of salvation, a prayer of forgiveness, and let the Holy Spirit do in your soul what needs to be done. If you have been a prodigal, if you've gone back to your old way of life, Jesus has come looking for you today. If this is the first time you've ever been in a church, the first time you've heard that there's a different kind of life, a new kind of life, you can still receive it. You don't have to understand it all completely. You can ask as many questions to us if you want, but just begin your journey of putting your trust and your confidence in Jesus. So we lift our voice together. We pray to our Heavenly Father out loud. I'd like you with a good, strong voice and with everyone around you. My prayer is that 100% of us would make a surrender to Jesus Christ, some for the first time, some for the first time in a long time, and some as a daily commitment. But here's our prayer. Lift your voice with those around you and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I repent of my sins, and I leave them behind. And I turn towards you, Lord, to receive your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy. Thank you for loving me. Fill my life with the presence of Jesus Christ. Fill my life with the Holy Spirit of God. Help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's a great prayer. Yes, we can affirm that prayer. Yes, we can. That's a life-changing prayer. So look this way just for a moment because that prayer, not just the words, but the meaning will change the human soul. And welcome to the family of God or welcome back home. Our prayer team is here to pray with people and for people making a commitment, a renewal to Christ and whatever spiritual needs are here, whatever physical needs are here, whatever healing needs are here. We're here to pray with you. So in the next few moments, our prayer team will be ministering to you. Please have the faith to come forward. Because the Bible says when two or three people pray together, the presence of Christ shows up. I believe there's a miracle in the house, and I believe it has your name on it. And we'd love you to receive exactly what God has for you. While the prayer team is praying, you could receive Holy Communion. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion or to receive prayer, just a friend and a follower of Jesus. But as you take the communion, remember Jesus. I'm going to pray in the next prayer, the blessing prayer, that the Holy Spirit will just reveal to you the cross, because I can't do that. And as you receive communion today, remember Jesus absorbing all your sin, all your shame on the cross, dying, and then coming back to life. He says, follow me, follow me. And he keeps saying, follow me, until you follow him. That's good news. If you've been a guest here today, thank you so much for coming. We would love you to be back with us. We believe that God has so much more for you. And we'd like to be part of doing everything we can to see you achieve the life that God has for you, your life in fullness, your life in potential. If you are new to the church, new to the fellowship, and you've never, ever stopped by the VIP room, please do that today. You are a VIP. It's back on the left-hand side. We'd like to meet you. We'd like to greet you. We'd like to gift you. And please join us on this journey of faith. God loves you more than you think he does. And God has a plan for your life that is absolutely amazing. So here's the prayer of blessing. Lord, I pray for your sons and for your daughters. Come, Holy Spirit, and reveal the cross to us in a fresh way. Take us to Calvary 
take us to the cross. May we see your arms outstretched in the most incredible sacrificial love ever shown to humanity as the Son of God gave his life for us to build a bridge from where we are to where God is. May we be inspired by that love and infilled with that spirit to love like we have never loved before. I pray for homes and marriages that have been under strain, under demonic attack. I pray that the love of Christ will fill your home. I pray that the Spirit of God will give you sweet words to speak to each other. Sacrificial, I don't feel them, sacrificial words of love. I pray for your homes. I pray that God will use you to witness to people who are far away from God, prodigals who are far away, not to give up, to keep loving them back into the family of God and loving them as they grow in Christ. I pray that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray you would take the name of Jesus today. And I pray in these next few moments a miracle will take place in your life as you pray with us, as you receive communion, as you worship with the worship team. I bless you in the strong and the mighty and the majestic name of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed people. And everybody says, amen. Let's give the Lord just an ovation of praise. Somebody say hallelujah. We love you so much. Please come forward for prayer, for communion. The worship team leads us in worship. And God be with you.